Hello Gen X, welcome back to the water cooler. How you guys doing? You staying warm? <laughs> Boy, what a week this has been in the United States, particularly those of us in the middle part of the country, even the, some of those in the south and my family members down in Texas. Boy, it has been a wild ride this week. You know, it, it Normally, uh, we here in the Chicago area, we, we tend to get a cold snap every year you know, that lasts about 7, 10 days, sometimes even more, you know, sometimes even like 20 days, where it's just bitter cold straight through. And it never, never gets above 20 degrees, sometimes doesn't even get above 10 degrees. And that sometimes is in like, the end of December or on New Year's, or but more often than not, it's in the middle of January, right? Like from the 15th to the, the 20th, where it's just this, just this dreadful cold snap. And this past year, we we didn't get it. We didn't get it, and we, you know, being a, a Chicagoan that we are, we just know that's coming. You just know it's going to hit. And sure enough, this year, it decides to rear its head in the middle of of February. And it has been, it's been rough. It's been, you know, a, a snap of, I, I think we're going to be going on at least 10 to 13 days straight where this today might be the first high into the 20s that we've had in the past 10 to 13 days or so. And I think it's a record in, in Chicago for the number of consecutive days in February where the high is under 20 degrees. So it's been, it's been a, cold, a cold snap for us here. And it's that long dark of Moria, and you just can't wait for spring to come. You know, we just have pitchers and catchers reporting in baseball, and you start to get a little bit of spring in your step because you just know that the end is a little bit around the corner. But, of course, we here – in the Chicago area are used to that. I mean, it happens every year. Again, may may normally be in, in January, possibly around New Year's. And this year it happened to happen in February, and we're just getting tons of snow. But we are accustomed to it. Unfortunately, this is really hitting hard in areas of the country that are not like us here in Chicago that aren't used to it. Now, most notably in, in Texas, they're getting hit hard. I think Louisiana and other areas of the South are getting hit hard too. I think you have snow and snow and ice in Nashville, and it's just cold out there. Um, and unfortunately, in in Texas, they've really borne the brunt of it. I mean, from what I understand, they have cold temperatures there that they have not seen in the past eighty to one hundred years. We're talking in Dallas and Fort Worth you know, highs that are in the teens, and temperatures and wind chills that are in single digits or even below zero. Those folks down there are not used to that. And we are seeing a lot of, of rough ride for those folks down there because of that. Um, in particular, you've seen the power grids in Texas being stressed in ways they've never been stressed before. And hopefully, I think we're going to be starting some conversations as to our, our, whether or not we are going in the right direction as far as our energy production is concerned. Now, we have a, a newly inaugurated presidency that is eager to undo the plentiful energy production of the previous administration. And you've already seen about a 20% spike in gasoline prices. I imagine this is going to cause even more as the outlook of energy production uh, wanes. 
but unfortunately in Texas, when they they get caught with a, a bitter cold snap like this, uh, they are not ready for it. And, and you've, I'm sure you've seen the images of these wind turbines in Texas just completely frozen and not working and not generating their energy uh, and their electricity. Apparently, wind production accounts for, I heard some conflicting estimates, but from what I understand, about 23% or a good quarter of the electricity in Texas is provided by wind power. Now, in today's political climate, that is considered an amazing thing, a great thing. In fact, I'm sure there's some who would want 100% of our energy provided from wind power. But we're just not there yet. But in Texas, they're able to do it to the tune of about a quarter of their energy production. Only problem is, when you get a historic cold blast with wind, cold, freezing snow and ice, freezing rain and snow and ice, and these turbines freeze, no electricity is being generated. And you get rolling blackouts or blackouts entirely. You have people who are without power for a good 48 hours. You have pipes that are freezing and bursting because the the houses out there are just not equipped like they are here in the Midwest. Their, Their pipes aren't insulated against the cold like they are here and they you know they don't have you know gas furnaces they a lot of them are are electric maybe some on propane but when when they rely on you know electric heaters for whatever short amount of time relative to us here that they need heat it's just not available when when an event like this happens and here we are. It's, it's, it's been very tough to watch. Everything happened in Texas over the past week. You know, there was that absolutely horrific multi-vehicle accident in Fort Worth. Some 130-plus cars that were in this pileup um, due to the black ice that was frozen early in the morning. And I know at least six people died in, in that. And it was just absolutely horrific where you just saw you know, car after car and truck after truck just slamming into this pileup because of the black ice. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it seems like a, a bad time to slow the production of energy and oil and gas. And, you know, there's this push to move to electric cars, and, and we've gone and we've made amazing progress over the past, uh, past little while developing that. And Elon Musk and Tesla have done an amazing thing with their, with their car productions. But we're still, unfortunately, at, haven't been able to eclipse a max limit of 300 miles on a single charge. And you know, it takes a good 40 minutes to recharge. And you have to reconfigure your, you know, your setups in your house to be able to compensate for it. And, of course, all that is predicated on there actually be, being electricity available. And much of it is produced by coal and, and, and gas because we can't have nuclear uh, energy production. We have nuclear plants being shut down across the nation. And, and I think the experience that we're seeing in Texas is a good example of why we are just not at the point where we can go completely towards the clean energy that so many want. Uh, you know, this administration is jumping in feet first, you know, 
signing back on with the Paris uh, Accords and, and doing all things environmentally friendly, um, but they're remarkably silent when those exact solutions fail in, uh, in Texas of all places. If it fails in Texas, imagine what it would do in, in other in colder climates. Um, but we'll, we'll see if people are wise to it, if, if they're smart enough to, to know these limitations. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, we are probably not. But you know, one other, the other thought that I, I had as we watched all this unfold over the past week in, in Texas in particular, and, and you know, directly with that, that unfortunate you know, pileup in Fort Worth that killed six people, but it really goes the same with, with the you know the issue with the turbines and the roaming blackouts. What it just befuddled me is that it seems to be just a catastrophic, a catastrophic failure of leadership in in these uh, local areas uh, across Texas, and I just I can't for the life of me figure out how they seemingly had no contingencies for something like this. Now, I get that Texas is hot. I get that their winters are amazing and that they are not, they don't see the type of cold that they're seeing very often. Um, but it's not never. You know, in, in, I think, 2011, when the Super Bowl was there, you had something similar, certainly not to this degree, but you had a lot of freezing rain and ice and snow in Texas, almost, I think it may have even been the week of the Super Bowl, where you had ice sheets falling off of Jerry World and and you know similar types of of freezing in in roads. So it's it's not as though it never ever happens, but officials seem to be caught flat-footed this time around, and I just can't figure out why. Um, because I mean, th- these forecasts were ten plus days in the making. I mean, you you saw it coming. But they seem to be not ready. You know, I, I get that they don't have snow plows. I get they don't have um, salt trucks. But they they do have other other means to to deal with such conditions. And you know, they put sand on bridges and some other things. But that it just doesn't seem they didn't seem to be ready. And I I don't understand it. Um, maybe. They just weren't equipped. Maybe they didn't take it seriously. I don't know. But they, if, if I were a citizen in Texas, I would be beside myself with uh, the leadership there. We'll, we'll see if anything happens with it. Um, but I, I know I would not, uh, would not be thrilled at all with what we saw over the past, uh, over the past week. Uh, maybe, I think sometime in the future maybe we can touch base on on the whole climate change uh, issue, there there are there are f- few topics in in politics that that send the the hair on the back of my neck standing up quite like that one does, and I don't, I'll say that maybe for another time. But uh, it, it it's amazing that we're seeing these historic cold temperatures again, temperatures and weather conditions we haven't seen in eighty to hundred years. Amidst, amidst all of the climate hysteria and the Greta Thunberg adoration that we see. And time and time again, we, we see incidents like this that fly in the face of all of the fear-mongering. But we'll, we'll get into that uh, you know, an, another day. 
Also this week, very mercifully, the impeachment two impeachment boogaloo comes to a merciful end. Outcome being quite predictable, and there were not enough votes in the Senate for a conviction. I don't know what a conviction would have meant. Uh, maybe they would have removed him from office. Um, a former president. Uh, I. I, I and I imagine that their goal was to just forbid Donald Trump from ever holding political office in the future. I mean, we're talking about a 78-year-old man here, but they, they did not have the votes to do it. You know, and the fact that uh, Joe Biden was remarkably silent on this tells me that a lot of this was simple political theater. Although you did have a number of uh, Republicans join the uh, conviction vote, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, Senators Romney, Sass, Carl Collins, Murkowski, and among others, and a lot of the you know the establishment Republicans that you know that in in many cases are are just as bad as Democrats. You know, I mean, these people are part of the Washington machine; they are the political elite ruling class. And of course, they would would not take too kindly to a political outsider. You know, you know, Donald Trump happened to fit the the role this time around, but but for those of us who are not part of the machine, they do not take kindly to us. And and they joined they joined the 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 witch hunt again. Uh, it was it was bizarre to watch. I didn't watch a ton of it. I just didn't have the stomach for it. But I saw. You know some of the highlights. Um, I uh, note I really got a kick out of that video montage that Trump's lawyers laid out, where they had Democrat after Democrat after Democrat condoning BLM riots and and the violence that we saw in this past summer. And there was the, also the montage that was just fantastic of of members of the media and sitting house reps and senators over and over in the, in speeches using the word fight and there's one uh, Kamala Harris was just you know fight the fight fight the fight fight the fight fight the fight it was just over and over and over and over and over again and they overlaid that to Trump's speech that they were equating to inciting a riot and where he said we're, we're going to you know make our voices heard, we're going to march onto the Capitol, be peaceful about it, and blah, blah, blah. But we're going to, we're going to fight this, and, and they really glommed on to that, to that verbiage. And they just threw that in their face, and it was just, it was delicious, it was funny. Of course, there was, there was no response to it. You know, it's not as though these hypocrites have any shame. You weren't going to you know, hear them uh, come back with a mea culpa um, or own it, but that's you know, such is the our political climate. I uh, also thought very interesting to see how the House managers doctored evidence. Uh, that seems like a bad thing to me. How they were able to get away with that, I don't know. How they are not themselves impeached or censured for it, I don't know. But apparently they were in some of their main points of evidence. They were caught doctoring tweets and creating false blue check marks, I would imagine Jack Dorsey and and the numbskulls at Twitter would would ha have some objection to that. But in their attempt to 
to you know, frame as insightful some of the the rhetoric leading up to the the protests. I mean, they they made stuff up. They made up tweets. They were saying that some tweets that weren't weren't from verified users were, and it just wasn't true. Here we are, you know, in the name of politics, and of course they're going to get away with it. No one's going to care. Uh, but hopefully that saga is over unless they want to go for round three. Yeah, hopefully we can actually stop hearing an obsession about Donald Trump. I'm certain we will not. Um, I would love to just move forward and not worry about a private citizen. I mean, they could worry about me for all I care, but I, I, I wouldn't have any, uh, any more impact than, than he would. But, you know, such is our political climate. Um, but they, not not too away from this, but the New York Times had to retract that and admit that the officer that was killed in the, uh, the Capitol protest was not bludgeoned to death by a fire extinguisher. Now, they actually had to retract it and, and say that, you know, that, according to medical examiner and, and autopsies, that contrary to their initial reporting, that that, that uh, Capitol Police officer that, that they said was died in this riot incited by Donald Trump and that, that MAGA supporters bludgeoned this officer with a, with a fire extinguisher and he died from blunt force trauma it just wasn't true wasn't true at all. I, I, oddly, we aren't given the full details of exactly how he died. It's sad that he did. He shouldn't have, uh, particularly under those circumstances. But one fact is clear. He didn't die at the hands of protesters with a fire extinguisher, as was reported. But in our media climate, that's what passes as news. You know, there, it used to be a day when, when we were growing up that members of the press and the media fact-checked stories and print, printed and reported on things only after they were able to verify it. You know, those days are gone. You know, it, the, the seriousness, seriousness of an allegation, the seriousness of a charge, the sensationalism of, a, of an allegation is enough to report something, and it goes. Now, the consequence of that, aside from division that they try to stoke for viewers and they try to stoke for clicks and on their news stories, and the, the byproduct of that is division. And here we are. That should surprise exactly no one. But you know, such is, is our media nowadays. And they have just jumped on the on the outrage train and they, they've been clutching their pearls ever since January 6th and hopefully this stuff will be put to bed although I think there's going to be an independent commission so we'll probably have to put up with it at, at on some level into the future but we'll see how that goes but I, I would love to get to a point where we stop talking about and obsessing about Donald Trump and I, and I say we I'm, I'm really talking about the media, Democrats, and and the and the never Trump Republicans. I'm just I'm so tired of it. I'm over it. Dude, 78. He's not in 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 office anymore. I don't care. Mean things that he might say, and and the fact that this obnoxious, arrogant New Yorker acts like an obnoxious 
arrogant New Yorker. I just, I'm not interested in it, and I, hopefully we can be past that. Something tells me we won't. One other very interesting thing that I, I saw the, over the week was Gina Carano. Uh, Gina Carano is, is someone who appeared in the Mandalorian series on Disney+. Plus. Um, she did a good job. I, I enjoyed watching that with my son. But apparently uh, she said mean stuff on Twitter. Boy, that sounds like something that you just are, are not supposed to do. Uh, you know, they, you know, they are all about you know, female and women empowerment as long as they shut up and obey because um, that, that seems to be where they were with Gina. Now, apparently there have been a series of things that she's tweeted and said that have gotten under the woke skin, uh, so to speak. Um, the first is when she just re- refused to post pronouns in her bios. And that seems to be a thing. I, I, I don't know what the value of this is. This seems to be more important to well-meaning liberals than it does to to actual trans community. I mean, if, it seems to me that they care about what pronouns they're called by. I don't know why they would care about the pronouns anyone else is called by, but uh, that, that, that really carries some weight in, in progressive circles. And Gina was not going to play that game. But apparently the, the final straw for her was a tweet that she put out that equated uh, World War II. Well, there's a, a picture of this, of this Jewish woman being chased by a Nazi soldier, and, and, the, and the caption of it was saying that, you know, that these people were, were taught to be skeptical of and, and reporting and hating their neighbors, and and just like just like today with with cancel culture, I, th- I think is what the ironic uh, point that she was trying to make. Now you you can argue that 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 was a little heavy-handed uh, as far as the 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 caption was, or maybe not quite as on point as as she thought it was. And eh, maybe there's some something to be said for that, but. The fact that they just absolutely savaged and went after her, and that you know she was fired by Disney, she was let go by her her representation or her, her her management, it's just it's just odd. You know, you can if if you are a woman in Hollywood, you can say anything you want to as long as it's this, right? If you're a, a woman or a minority in Hollywood, you can say and do anything you want as long as it's that, right? Just ask Candace Owens; she'll tell you. But you know, Gina seemed to get to a point where you know Disney was no longer going to put up with it. Now you could disagree with that. You could say it, it's yeah, it, it wasn't appropriate, and that's fine. You could, good people can agree to disagree. However, when you're a company like Disney, who has a track record of looking the other way when dealing with China, and you give them shout-outs, the CCP, give them shout-outs at the end of the remake of Mulan, and you thank them for allowing you to tape your movie in the exact area where they are rounding people up and putting them into concentration camps, you can spare me your outrage. You can spare me your pearl clutching. When you are a company who looks the other way or even endorses tweets by 
the headliner of the Mandalorian franchise, Pedro Pascal, <coughs> who puts out a tweet where he compares children in concentration camps in World War II with children in cages and saying, this is America in 2018, and you're cool with that, but you are not cool with similar type of, of imagery from Gina Carano, your credibility is not good. It's even less good when that exact tweet that you turned the other way from Pedro Pascal was not from kids in, in the United States at immigration detention centers, but were kids or Palestinian refugees who were uh, being detained um, for safety purposes or, or for whatever reason they were. But it wasn't the United States, but still he put it out there. Again, you can disagree with the point. You can say it's factually inaccurate. But when you are fine with that, but you're not fine with Gina Carano doing it, you can spare us your your outrage. And you can look no further than James Gunn. He directed Guardians of the Galaxy. And those were very popular movies. They made Disney a lot of money. He was working on Guardians 3 when... Again, the cardinal sin of bad tweets on Twitter came up where he had some some sexually inappropriate tweets or, or from decades ago, from like 10, 15 years ago. And it, it came to light, and he was fired. He was fired for these tweets, just like Gina was fired. Except unlike Gina, he was welcomed back after serving his slap on the wrist. They were cool with it. But they're not cool with Gina. You know, they're they're cool with Joss Whedon. And he he has he's he directed the Avengers and I think even Age of Ultron. Um, they're fine working with him, but he's he had very serious allegations of abuse and not not hard, the Harvey Weinstein type of creepy stuff, but just belligerent inappropriate behavior and 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 just tearing people down and you know, for the sake of, of his own ego or getting his projects finished. They look the other way when Joss Whedon is in their midst. But you know, Gina Carano, no, 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 that is not acceptable. I think what the obvious outcome that we're seeing or the conclusion that we're seeing from this is that you know, woke culture is just very dangerous. It's very fascistic, and it is a cancer. And, I mean, they're just completely intolerant of any thought that's not theirs. They are intolerant of anybody who disagrees with them. It may have Donald Trump's face. It may be Gina Carano who gets taken off of a movie. But to be honest, it's all of, it, all of us who disagree. They hate us just as much as they hate the rest of them. We're just not as high profile as Donald Trump and Gina Carano. But... but Believe me, they hate us just as much, if not more, than than those that they that they take out and, and try to cancel. Now, the good thing is, Gina Carano has, has quickly got back onto her feet, and she's signed on to to make a movie with the Daily Wire. That's uh, an interesting development. Uh, you know, Ben Shapiro and his org that, that yeah, they came out with a movie. Uh, run, hide, hide, fight. Uh, I haven't seen it, but you know, with, considering that they're not a major movie studio, it seems to be an interesting accomplishment that they were able to do that. 
and she's been signed on by them to create a movie of her own. So she gets to be the the boss. She gets to to create it, and and we'll we'll see where that goes. And I'm interested to see what what type of uh, uh, creation she comes up with. And and she had a very interesting quote to. Uh, after all of this, she said, you know, we, we can't be canceled if we don't let them. And so, you know, bravo to her, hats off to her. You know, I support her all the way, uh, even if I don't disagree with everything she says or does. I certainly uh, think she has every right in the world to work and, and to create and do whatever she wants and, and to not, uh, not to have her whole life destroyed just because she said or did something that I don't like. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a bizarre direction that our, our, our culture is, is headed, but it's, it, it's, that's the woke left. I mean, they're, they are outraged by very little and their screaming tends to be louder than most. But again, just like Gina said, you know, they can't c- cancel us if we don't let them. Now last, uh, I, I did see the sad news that <coughs> Rush Limbaugh uh, has died. He's a very polarizing figure. You know, a lot of people hate him, but you simply cannot deny the impact that he has had on our uh, popular culture and you know, in political commentary in particular. You know, he essentially created the medium of talk radio. Uh, you think even to expand expand to sports talk radio. You know, that that was not a thing before he burst onto the scene, and it it just went in so many different different directions. Likewise, alternative media, and it's hard to imagine that coming to where it is without him. You know, because before him, you just had to rely on the three networks and you know, the New York Times and major newspaper publications, and you either had to fall in line and listen to what they said, or just you know not participate. Uh, but he he went a different way, and it was. It was. I always loved listening to his show. I, I loved that turning onto his show and listening to that bass line as his show started. Um, it will certainly be missed. You know, I've been. I don't get to listen to him while I'm at work, but I check his podcast every day, and you know, I'd, I've been listening to it you know, quite a bit just to savor while he was there. And I, I, he's been had a number of guest hosts over the past uh, little while. And I kind of watched. I kept waiting, hoping to to see him come back, and and he he finally lost his bout uh, with cancer. But you know, he will certainly be missed. But more than anything, he will be appreciated. You know, I, I I absolutely loved listening to him. I loved breaking down things that he said with my family, my brother in particular. Um, but yeah, he'll definitely be missed. But. So Rush, Godspeed to you. Say hi to my brother. Say hi to my dad. Give them the best for me. And thank you for all that you did. So until next time, stay cool, 10X.